Concrete podcast guy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very happy to be here. Mm. I'm terrible at introducing people, so I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. <laughs> well, we are Carabelle. Um, we're sisters. We're a folk duo. I'm called Farron. I'm called Merle. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much it. As we said, you, you see, you, you're down from you're down in Somerset. Are you originally from Somerset? Yeah, we are born mm-hmm. and bred never left no no (laughs) don't really want to it's nice it's um we've got a really nice sort of arty local town called Froome Mm -hmm. we do a lot of stuff there and it's just a nice supportive place to be but it's nice and rural as well because we're very into um you know taking long rambles and pretending to be in a Bronte book yeah Yeah. (laughs) I kind of assumed that based on the band name yeah. Yes. Um, that was what, yeah. I had to research it. I will admit, I'm not, I'm not that into literature as as many would be. Some some would have to obviously automatically get it, but I yeah, I had to look it up. It was like this seems familiar. Yeah. I no, I like that. Yeah. How long have you? So you're you're musicians. Mm-hmm. I stumbled across you through Instagram, I think. Yeah, I'm fairly certain it's through Instagram. There, someone followed you and then shared your work, and you know, the dominoes mm-hmm. fall, as it were. Um, how long have you been making music? <laughs> we always pause yeah. on that question because well, um, it's hard to keep track. I also, think. like, what can you cl- class as music? Because Merle, I remember when she was like, you know, as soon as she could make noise, it was coming out musically. Like before she was really talking, she was gurgling tunes um, in her cot. Like my, one of my earliest memories of Merle is just her lying in her cot doing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star without words, just baby noises. Yeah, and, and a rough melody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's been uh, always with us, really, from a young age. Mm. Um, and we kind of incorporated it into our imaginary playground and our games that we would have Mm. um and then it just sort of grew from there and we experimented with a lot of instruments and recorded stuff very badly on garage band (laughs) in the early days always the best place to start yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. but we wanted to ask you like how long have you been an artiste (laughs) did it start when you were little did it you know has it been a more recent decision um, I mean, so mine's mine's been permanent since I was very young, yeah. but it's drifted through yeah. through growing up. Essentially, I, I started off drawing as a child, and that's all I wanted to do. I was I wanted to draw. I wanted to be a cartoonist, and that's 
basically everything I wanted to do. And then around the age of 13, I realized that nobody would pay me to do that. So I went <laughs> very media for a while um, and explored kind of photography and film, but from kind of like a, a financial point of view and abandoned my artistic sensibilities. Yeah. And then, yeah, I kind of just like gradually got dragged back into it because you can never really escape it, I don't feel. Oh, you can try. Like I've tried to kind of do other things, trained to be an English language teacher. So I've tried to do that, but you just, you can't like escape if you're, if you are an artist, you're kind of stuck there, aren't you? <laughs> Unfortunately. I feel like you have to be. I, I, I vividly remember, I think my, my GCSE art teacher had told me about people who'd exhibited the same kind of traits as I had and said that they'd gone on to be like accountants and stuff like that and that they hated their jobs. Yeah. Mm. And they hated all of that because they'd just given up any creative endeavor within their life. Yeah. And that kind of made me sad. I was like, yeah, I never, never want to drop my creative side. Yeah. No. So you, yeah, I mean, you've been making music for a very long time then. Presumably. Mm. but you're completely self-taught as well yeah from what I read on your website <laughs> yeah um, I mean I think we, you had a few piano lessons when I was little yeah and I had a few violin lessons but yeah apart from that it's just been experimenting and mm. sort of um, messing around until we find something that works really and um, well we only really started thinking of it as a profession quite recently yeah, two or three years ago. ago um and that's a whole uh minefield isn't it like working out how to get your stuff out there and get people interested in it and yeah it's been a learning curve that's what we've mainly kind of focused on during lockdown because we mm-hmm. it gave us the time to go into that side of creativity mm-hmm. the business side yes yeah Reddit business <laughs> that's the other thing like the strange thing about being an artist is if you do want to do it you know full-time you also then have to you actually do have to become a business person as well yeah it's almost like having a split personality split personality but also it's expected of you to have several different qualifications and be doing different jobs that would well I guess if you were with a record label you would have a massive team behind you doing all of those different sections like social media marketing promotion Mm. so yeah it was a bit overwhelming at first but it was fun yeah it was kind of fun yeah and then kind of like a shell shocky kind of way yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. you come out the other side you're like no it was fun right (laughs) yeah yeah it's just like I didn't realize at the time but it was definitely fun yeah Yeah. I mean I guess I got a hard question for you then because you obviously you mentioned literature you mentioned your name is based off um Bronte and and all those kinds of things so why music why why not writing why not books well (laughs) I mean we both do quite a lot of sort of fiction writing anyway and poetry but it's always been more of a kind of hobby mm-hmm. I don't know why it's just, it's just music is, is the is the thing I think it's um a really powerful form of storytelling for me anyway even more than just reading a book because it's accompanied by this uh audio mm-hmm. and this sound perception and I think that 
helps communicate the stories and the tales and whatever you're trying to say in a much better way sometimes um or it's more immediate for me anyway um yeah so maybe that's it Mm. also I think because we have quite a musical sort of family and I guess um where you get encouragement you start to you know you want to do that where people are like oh yes great let's do some more of this all together it's um it's more encouraging mm. yeah because the writing is a, a very solitary affair isn't it <laughs> yeah it's hard to write with somebody yeah mm-hmm. practically impossible though yeah. no, I, f- I feel like that's a, like a, a good art project there for somebody with like a typewriter where you can only control half of the typewriter or something like that <laughs> it would be incredibly hard wouldn't it there's yeah. a team building exercise somewhere in there. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah. So you, but you say you have a musical family. Mm, yeah. So it's always been pushed, I guess. Yeah, sort of. We're just encouraged and sort of fostered. And there's always been a love of that around. So we felt like it was kind of... It was normal. Yeah, it was normal. Yeah. So only when you sort of hit your mid-teens and you're at that 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 moment where people are like, so what are you going to do with your life? And you're like, I can't do music because that's impossible. <laughs> um, so I'll do this, I'll try this. But yeah, I mean, for a whole childhood, it just it seemed like the most natural thing in the world. Mm. I, do, I do agree as well, though. Like, I feel like there's certain ways of expressing yourself which do, do just come easier. Yeah. yeah you you know I'm like I'm I'm one who I dive through different mediums all the mm. time that's, that's essentially what I do I can't stick to one thing um <clears throat> and sometimes it's just a case of figuring out which platform to put a message in yeah and that can take so long of just like oh well, I've drawn it but it doesn't work so I'll paint it but that doesn't work I don't know what, <laughs> yeah. what I'm gonna do with it now but, um, so I mean I kind of so I had a listen yeah. prior obviously they're reaching out and i had another listen today because i do i research shockingly despite me looking like i live on the street (laughs) i do have access to things (laughs) i i found i found it incredibly difficult to describe your sound oh that's good that's nice that is reassuring because a lot of people are obsessed with comparing us Mm, to people generally yeah yeah we actually had a chat about our genre the other day didn't we because we call ourselves alt folk but then we sort of we're like are we actually making alt folk like we were just mixing something we're like this doesn't really sound like alt folk yeah because in our minds because we've grown up listening to so much folk music mm-hmm. I guess we're rooted in that storytelling tradition mm-hmm. but then subconsciously or whatever without us realizing we kind of brought it into contemporary and weirdness mashed it up with loads of different flavors mm. I don't know why I'm going along a culinary metaphor but whatever <laughs> so yes tell us more about how you yeah can you give us a genre please <laughs> yeah tell us about our music because so we don't know <laughs> we don't understand I so it reminded me of a few things mm-hmm. but nothing which I would put specifically in um one genre and I, that's what I liked about it that's why when I stumbled across it what I what I really got from it was it had the kind of like diegetic feeling that you get from cinema music 
Mm, despite the fact it's just a track and it was just kind of that whole there's a rhythm you get when you watch a film and you you get that atmospheric music and it kind of sits in the back of your head and you don't Mm -hmm. know what it's doing to you because you're focused on the narrative yeah and that's what I liked is when I listened to the tracks it was like well yeah I've got these lyrics and I'm focused on the lyrics because I'm trying to figure out what's going on but everything else is just kind of rolling like a waterfall Mm -hmm. it's just in the back of my head um Mm -hmm. but it also kind of reminded me of rock opera Oh, yeah. oh, just because it was so dramatic. <laughs> yes. yes, so we do like we our do. drama. Yeah, we do. Bit dramatic sometimes. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being dramatic on occasion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to be. Got to be. Um, I mean, so in terms of kind of content, then, I mean, I've listened to your tracks, and I will put some some music tidbits in the podcast because you know you're musicians, so that's what we should do. Fantastic. What do you write about? for the people if you had to tell them um well it's very much narrative based it's always stories it's often characters Mm -hmm. sometimes they're lifted from um classic books or poems sometimes they're completely made up and often we get pretty big with the themes yeah, even though they're they're kind of these quite focused stories about specific places or characters, we like to go go big or go home. Um, yes, and obviously with our EP songs, we kind of found that they were about the apocalypse, or not necessarily the apocalypse, but the various kind of apocalypses. Mm-hmm. If that is the plural. Um, yeah, I think that are going on catastrophes of all different kinds, mm-hmm. ranging from personal to global or environmental, and how we could explore that from our yeah. personal point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's. <laughs> you find that you you kind of attracted to those kinds of stories in things which you consume them as well. Yeah, and kind of books or films or whatever you get into Mm -hmm. yeah something about the tragedy really yeah for sure I don't know why um (laughs) I guess probably if you're raised on like folk music it's always about sailors going and drowning and coal miners getting crushed and you know true loves being separated and die (laughs) wasting away and you know it's all quite tragic it's really tragic and I think you it's it's very cathartic and it just helps you process your own like smaller disasters in life yeah to have these kind of huge ones not huge but you know these big tragic narratives kind of they guide you through and they help you they help you process I think that's interesting I don't know why but I don't I don't associate folk with big tragedy. Really? Ah. I'm kind of curious. I can't figure out why. Like, That's interesting. So what do you, do you, do you kind of think of it as like um, ye old drinking songs and stuff? Maybe. I feel, I, I feel like I may insult people with this comment. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. There, there is that side of folk music. It's yeah, this communal, sure. you know, the people, Jolly. the people's yeah. music. Yeah, putting up, yeah. I think I think like hobbits, but right, like yeah. happy hobbits. Happy like. hobbits. No, you just got to think sad hobbits. And then we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Frodo and Sam are like on Mount Doom, and and you know you got to think that that okay. that kind of level. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's it's that kind of like wandering hillbilly sound is what like instantly comes to mind when I think folk. Yeah. 
Well, well, I think alt folk, I think romance, I think that yeah. that gets like a huge play, and, and yeah. I think um, like bands like Magic Numbers and stuff, yeah, kind of mm. pop into my mind. But yeah, when I think folk, I don't, I don't tend to think of dramatics. But I guess, yeah, I guess there is that history because it, it is it's narrative storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, through, yeah, through music. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've just had my mind slightly blown, <laughs> <laughs> or I've underestimated a whole genre for most of my life. Yeah, you're gonna have some fun now. You're gonna go and look at all of the. Uh... The tragic ballads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Then, if you're not classifying yourself as folk further down the line, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, how many? I mean, one one thing which did kind of occur to me was when I was listening to it is it's such a deep sound mm. in the, the songs you put out. What do you actually play? Is <laughs> <laughs> that a well, big question? <laughs> no, I mean, no. obviously, the kernel of the sound is piano and guitar mm-hmm. and violin, which Mel plays. And I also play harmonium. And then we just kind of go into logic, um, which is what we use for our recording, and explore all of the noises <laughs> that we can get. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just go a bit, let our imaginations go a bit wild to try and build like a world around the story. Mm, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it's a lot more organic than structure of we're going to put this here and we're going to put this here. Yeah. Yeah. Try and build a line. It's kind of nice. I like that. <laughs> I don't know why I've got quite a strange picture of music making in my head. But what's your what's your picture? I think it's bad. Probably stems from me being in bad bands at a very young age. <laughs> what do you play? <laughs> <clears throat> Play is a very broad term here. Um, <laughs> I own a, a guitar and I own a bass yeah. and I own a clarinet and I can oh. I can play a clarinet or I could when I was very young. Mm-hmm. So, but I can ma- I can make them make sounds. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a good start. Yeah. Whether that's playing them or abusing them is <laughs> a completely different conversation. <laughs> um, but no, I was in I was in I, was, I, was, I started off in a metal band. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is obviously um and then graduated into a ska band because mm-hmm. my friends had moved on from metal but i hadn't but i still wanted to be in a band <laughs> um and then we gradually drifted into kind of industrial stuff mm-hmm. wow but we never performed live oh which that's, that's like, a shame yeah you could have missed out on a whole other parallel life as a rock star <laughs> I do, but I also feel like I dodged a bullet that there's at the time of like camera phones was when I was getting started. And mm. there's probably some tragic footage of what could have been <laughs> around that time. Oh. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I think when I think songwriting and I think music, I, I tend to, especially with bands, I think of it as more of a kind of structure of like, we've got this many people in the band, yeah. we need to get this down, like tra- this part of the track down, this part of the track down, build and build and mm-hmm. build. And when I've interviewed, other musicians most of them have had on the show have been solo artists or rap musicians right mm-hmm. which is all very different to essentially people who are just trying to build something atmospheric mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean we don't we i think we probably write the songs that are quite like solo artists don't we because we don't tend to write actually in in a room together no we tend to write separately 
and then come together and be like, well, how are we going to make this into, you know, our, our little world? How are we going to do that? Yeah. And then we proceed to sort of shout at each other, cry, spend all day cooped up in a little room with a mic, uh, struggling along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we usually get there eventually. Usually. Usually, yeah. yeah, there's plenty that we, we, won't, we won't mention. <laughs> we won't mention those failures, yeah. But I suppose it's a bit like you with, you know, like the production side of music, choosing how you're going to make that world is probably a bit like you having some kind of thought or spark or germ of an idea and then working out, like, which medium you're going to use to, to yeah. convey it. I like that term, germ of an idea. Yeah. <laughs> creative ideas is an infection sounds well it kind of is it goes back to that idea of of as an artist not being able to escape you have been infected and Mm. you know it's fatal (laughs) (laughs) you will die of this wow (laughs) so how long have you guys got left (laughs) before it takes you to say (laughs) oh god That's, that's, I mean, again, it's dramatic. It's, it's mm-hmm. exactly as, as said on the tin, um, yeah. sort of thing. I mean, I guess in, in that sense of like being artists and and considering yourself an artist, I feel like there's a drama which goes with it. Mm. By oh yeah, accepting that. Yeah. I don't okay. know if you can have artists who are reserved completely, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I think artists are often quite shy and and socially inept <laughs> yeah certainly we are. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're not really here to be uh social and, and um you know good with with communication in its conventional sense mm. if we were then we wouldn't bother yeah exactly. communicating through our art would we yeah if we could just say it simply <laughs> yeah and just like feel understood and understand other people in a normal way manner you wouldn't bother with them um, with the art would you I don't know. would you <laughs> i don't think you would well you, you might have like a nice hobby where you you know you paint flowers or you play the art <laughs> <game>. <laughs> you're, you're just describing like a whole generation of crafters and parents oh. like i've been you know i'm emotionally well adjusted and what do you do well i paint flowers <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean I love I love um, flowers, crafts as well. I really I do. I love. Yeah, flowers. she's known to um, been known to do knitting. I, I love knitting. I love knitting. I don't consider it an art form, but I love knitting. Um, but yeah, I think there's a difference between craft and an art, and it is it's key. And I think craftspeople perhaps are more well adjusted. Possibly, maybe I might be making a hideous generalization, but I think it's possible. Like a whole folk community of Wicca makers and <laughs> speed artists, just like they're making friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I think that yeah, you, you. I think art is a reaction, in a way. It's us trying to communicate in the best way we we can when we've. Mm-hmm had whatever we had in our, our younger lives where we've just decided at some point mm, no I don't really like communicating that part of myself I'll yeah. find a different way of doing that yeah for sure and then spending the next 30 years trying to explain your own artwork 
because yeah, <laughs> yeah it kind of backfires <laughs> mm. I didn't think this was gonna happen <laughs> um yeah I I think I, I recorded a podcast recently which was discussing the the whole idea of artists create artwork to put something between themselves and other people mm. so you don't necessarily think of it as you know expunging something to explain it you're just expunging it and then it's easier to explain once you have the finished piece because mm. you can go this is my piece you don't have to pay attention <laughs> to me this is just the piece I made yeah that makes sense yeah I like that yeah mm, for sure yeah. but you I so I'm getting back to the point if we had a point I don't tend to have a point <laughs> but no, we, we we kind of talked on topics and ideas obviously you guys pick topic because you, you you're the guests mm-hmm. and you make music which is based on tragedy and, and story and romance and all, all these kinds of things and I, I guess the the question is as a larger question of why we react to those things with art mm-hmm. rather especially when it's something which isn't necessarily personal or something which is easy to explain mm-hmm. or that kind of thing why why would you go out of your way to make reactionary art I don't know why I did a hand wave there. (laughs) That's a big question. That is. Um, Well, I guess, speak of your your latest EP. Mm. What's the main theme to your latest EP? I think you already mentioned. Well, the main theme would be environmental breakdown, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um. But then also the personal reaction to environmental mm. breakdown and how that can be a breakdown within yourself yeah, as you, an individual. You feel powerless. Powerless in the face of this massive monster of nature, mm. um, but also the massive monster of mankind as this whole and how we're getting a bit lost. Um, yeah, we're not really answering the question. No, we're going off piece. We're going off on a different thing. <laughs> That's why we do an hour. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of you get moments where you're like, why am I bothering to make art about this when I could be doing something actually useful? But I suppose each person can only kind of do what they can do. Um, but it's also what you define as useful. Um, and I think, yeah, I think art can be incredibly useful. Yeah, because I absolutely because I think you know, lots of people have been saved by art. I think probably I have at times. Yeah, you know, not by making art, but by actually consuming other people's. Yeah. Mm. So maybe there is maybe it's not all pointless and in vain. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to make you question why why we make things. And, no, know, we do the podcast. We do this podcast. Like, yeah, I always <laughs> yeah, get off the podcast. And that was the last time Carabelle ever made any music. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a hell of a podcast. The the podcast which broke up a band. <laughs> yeah. It's a full on claim to fame. I know. I I I think yeah. I think I, I've, I've I've said it before. Like I, I've. I've got a strange view, I guess, to some artists that I don't see art as, uh, or I wouldn't describe art as an essential part of life Mm. in the sense of you can exist without art. Mm. 
you know yeah. you, you can eat sleep do whatever and you don't necessarily need art it's just mm-hmm. if you if you want to live in any capacity where you're stable i think you have to have some creative outlet yeah yeah to, to explore um but it's interesting that you kind of like you say the idea of powerlessness and especially in the face of something like climate yeah. and change i mean I, I don't actually know how old either of you are mel's 19 and i'm 23 okay so you're, you're still quite young comparatively quite young. although i'm starting to feel quite old to be honest <laughs> yeah it's all downhill past 18 <laughs> Yeah, literally, I just started to notice like wrinkles coming and I, I was like, Mom, what do I use? Tell me about your creams. <laughs> <laughs> like having always just like roll my eyes and she yeah. tries to talk to me about that sort of thing. I'm like, Mom, tell me your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's, I do think it's kind of your generation who really taken hold of the concept of climate change yeah. as an artistic medium. Yeah. Well, not medium but artistic idea to yeah. kind of get into because I, I mean my whole generation we're very inwardly focused we're, we're yeah. a generation of narcissists and we know that you know that's why we got addicted to <laughs> my face <laughs> yeah you know we, they, they brought us products to feed our narcissism because we came after Gen X and everyone like that so we mm-hmm. came along as millennials and went no no we just want to look at ourselves whereas <laughs> You guys just came in and went, no, actually, guys, you noticed that outside everything's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're kind of coming around to that. We're, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. caring. But I don't, see, I don't see many people my age making environmental art, I guess, right. would be the thing. It's usually older or, or younger, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But I guess that, that makes me wonder what other art you've made. Have you ever released it out or has it just been a very personal exploration? Like, or did you jump straight for big picture tragedy? Well, um, it's always been storytelling. And actually, now that I think about it, it has been sort of quite big picture stuff ever since we were little, hasn't it, that we've written about? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. I think, ironically, now that we've done the EP, the stuff that we're writing is is coming a bit more you know, a bit closer to home, mm-hmm. the kind of uh, themes of it. But I think when you are quite young, when you're kind of a kid and, and a young teenager, you're quite connected to the whole idea of this um, fabric of reality, the fabric of the world and like being part of it mm. and being connected to it. So you're kind of naturally drawn to bigger topics and themes I think as you start to get old and you start to sort of see the the dog eat dog kind of society that we live in maybe you start to get a bit more personally and inwardly focused with the art Mm. I think when we wrote those songs they were mainly mid-teens kind of songs we were still in that that phase of very much big picture very philosophical crisis (laughs) yeah 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 for sure interesting though i think as as well because listening to the songs i mean you you have a very softly spoken style yeah it's a way i'd word it um when i think of kind of youth i don't tend to think of softly spoken what you think yeah i I think shouty i (laughs) think you know 
not necessarily struggling to get the words out but wanting to be heard to being louder than whatever came before you and to approach it in a way which is actually more considered and more more reserved is is nice so it's a a good balance to strike and then you throw in sounds which do all the shouting for you i guess yeah (laughs) yeah i guess i haven't really thought of it like that but i guess so I wish I could sing like in that more kind of powerhouse way. I just can't. <laughs> well, I think it's what is powerhouse singing for you is not going to be what it is for someone else. You've got to work within the limitations of your own voice. Um, yeah, but I would like to be able to sing in, in a kind of like um, Eastern European, really strong, powerful, beautiful kind of way, like a Bulgarian singer or something because mm. I love all of that and it feels really ancient and like it just comes straight up out of the earth and through them and I love that but it's not me <laughs> I have the wispy voice and you have quite an airy voice as well you know yeah. you've got to work with what you've got <laughs> I'll borrow some people and just, just write, what, write what they have <laughs> okay. I mean I, I guess that, that's probably a good question this is this is a very distinct style. I think, I think it's fair to say. Is this something which you naturally like just started making? Or is this kind of secretly got a punk band in your back pocket, which you've just not, not told anyone about? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is just, we can't really do, well, through the airplane. Can't really do anything else. This is just wow. No way. This is <laughs> the end of the world. Like, <laughs> like shaking. We're it's the our, apocalypse you now. Live on an airbase. <laughs> <laughs> We're in our shed, so everything is um yeah. really noisy. Yeah. When it rains in here, it's um, it's terrible. It's catastrophic. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, our, our sound, I, mm, I think honestly it was from listening to an amalgamation of other artists who weren't just folk, uh, like we're massive fans of Tori Amos and PJ Harvey, um, mm. and I think they have this really strong kind of, uh, it's elements of grunge but also very feminine singing yeah. and um, I think that's true. They're quite sort of soft singing, but then the words and the the songs and the message are really hard hitting. Yeah. Mm. There's a yeah. balance between something which is, I mean, for lack of a better term, aesthetically good. Mm. Yeah. To listen to it. aesthetically doesn't work for sound, does it? Well, I, I think... know what you're driving at. Yeah. What yeah. I don't know what the equivalent is. So sonically pleasing pleasing sonically pleasing <laughs> i mean i like it i mean we're coining new terms every you know i love the title of this podcast is now sonically pleasing with <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah i guess i guess what i get is, is that if i if i compared it to a visual medium i'd compare it to romantic paintings mm-hmm. and of of poverty or something like that something where they've taken it and said this is something awful, I want to show the world, but it's done in such a style, which you look at it, it's still very nice to look at. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess, do you you think of them as kind of, I guess, more traditional 
in that sense? Or do you see, do you see this as breaking new ground? No. If that's not a hard question. No, I think I have this uh, constant anxiety that, you know, everything of making has already been made in a way. And that's always a battle for me. Like, is there any point in putting things out because it's surely already been done and all of that stuff? Um, hmm. So, no, I don't think it's particularly pioneering <laughs> our music. No. Um, hmm. Yeah, I try not to think about any of that too much because I think... <laughs> Like, I think if you overanalyze um, what you're doing, I mean, maybe you find this too, um, you sort of clam up and you just can't do it. Do you, do you get that? Um, kind of. Mine's more kind of like a faucet, which I left running. And then every so often <laughs> I realize that I need some of it. But otherwise I'm just drowning. Um, so <laughs> it, it varies. But no, I, I completely understand what you mean. Yeah, it, it's one of those, I, I think I've, had the conversation with many an artist who if you start to look at it too closely you forget what you were doing it in the first place yeah, you know? sure. um, and, and it is that that view of everything has been done it's every, every conversation has ever been had and there's no real way of avoiding that yeah. so you kind of have to just get into that thought process of why am I still doing this is it because as we, we were saying um you know art's a reaction to things it's us trying to deal with the world around us. Yeah. So, do you find it helps deal with the world around you? Are you still impending doom? As, <laughs> well, the, the planes fly over. And <laughs> I mean, I think it helps. Uh, yeah, it does help you personally to get on with normal life without having an nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, but whether it helps prevent anything horrific from happening I don't think I don't think that's um the case really is it no but what you do I believe you're the title yeah. of the podcast well, what can you do what can you do <laughs> well, can you? what can you do <laughs> yeah yeah oh, yeah no I, I think it's the, the as I was saying earlier kind of the comparison I made to it was was that whole idea of kind of cinema soundtrack mm. and, and that idea of um, when we witness these films with strong narrative stories and, and you know, messages, as it were, mm. that they, they, they suit that grandeur mm. of, of being involved in that. But when you, you watch films, you watch them to maybe feel a little bit more comfort. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, do I guess I'm curious if you guys are into kind of dystopia or or what what you do watch. We're not actually into any any of that sort of dystopian or futuristic stuff, really. No, not really in in cinematic form. Um, No, we're much more likely to be watching. Uh, a Jane Austen adaptation for the 50th time <laughs> um yeah but yeah I suppose maybe in books a bit more like one of the songs um from our EP um is inspired by this 1930s sort of tragicomic dystopian book called the Hopkins Manuscript which is about the moon um crashing into the earth but it's it's kind of about how humanity 
copes in the face of like an impending disaster so it feels really relevant even now Mm. still so we love that kind of thing yeah and I think especially with the Hopkins manuscript the way it was told from a very personal perspective you know it's first person and it's uh, from the point of view of this retired school teacher and he's quite a sort of dull sedate yeah. character but then he turns into this amazing hero and this very strong person because of this impending doom and that he you know he has this view from his sitting room window every every night of the moon and every every cycle of the moon he can see it getting bigger and bigger and like coming towards him mm-hmm. um so yeah, that was just very powerful reading that and it definitely shaped the EP thematically. Yeah. I feel like that's a residual message in quite a lot of bigger art of just how the individual connects to kind of like a global issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very much, you do get some work which is very inwardly focused, but we the way we recognize larger issues is by trying to make them more humble i guess yeah yes i think so otherwise you can't really can't grasp them no yeah so it's like an attempt to comprehend mm. oh, that's cool. yeah. so in terms of ep and everything what, what else have you got going on at the minute well we are now uh launched into making an album Okay. Um, didn't really pause uh, <laughs> and we're also doing um a sort of local project where we're writing music for a sonic what would you call it a sonic walk sort of around um our local town through and it's full of the kind of history and mystery of our town so we're kind of digging up old folk songs from around the area mm-hmm. and reviving them and doing that alongside. So, yeah. Yeah. You're a lot of your work digs into history. Yeah. Mm. It's sort of an obsession. <laughs> you doing <a> lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Consistently looking back. And so I think there's something it, ahead yeah. of you which you don't want to talk about. Mm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the future is, um, is pretty scary and, and, um, uncertain especially at the moment and especially I think for you know young young people like us Mm. I suppose looking back it it gives you some ideas about kind of how to live and how to navigate disasters yeah or how not to navigate yeah or how not to I was thinking about I was thinking yeah but actually the past pretty kind of shit most of the time people are doing horrible things <laughs> how am I saying that how to live is it is that really what it is no yeah how not to live as well yeah yeah I, I always it always concerns me when you meet people who yearn for a specific time period yeah it's very or, weird yeah or they try to live it in they're like yeah no I'm living like I'm in the 1940s I'm like yeah, especially yeah, like um, I don't want to point fingers specifically, but you know, women who like doing all the nineteen fifties dresses and stuff, and um, yeah, I find that quite disturbing because it's not, it wasn't really a great time. Yeah, no, I, like I can completely understand people getting into aesthetics. Yeah, but mm. when it when it goes past that and they start 
getting into you know it's oh yeah no it was simpler and we did all this and say yeah it was simpler but there's reasons why it was simpler which weren't great mm. yeah i mean i'm quite lucky i'm white and male i can basically go back to any time period <laughs> <laughs> like a free pass just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no but i mean god yeah yeah it's funny the the way we perceive the past because we can draw comfort from it, but I think that comfort actually comes from more of a fantasy mm. than a reality. Because for most people, the past was probably really horrible. Yeah. I do think it's quite it, hard to represent the past in any way which isn't dramatic, though. Yeah. Mm. I think adding a reality to past, even, even if you try to do it with some kind of balanced notion, it still somehow comes off more dramatic than it ever was. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting the way we kind of impose narratives on the past because obviously nothing actually unfolds as a narrative, but as humans, we kind of need those shapes to be able to make sense of anything. Yes. Um, I think that's partly why people can draw comfort from the past because you can put like, you can put a, you can put a story up on it. You can make it into a containable thing that you can understand. You can make mm. it into a shape. And you just can't do that with the future. No. We can try. You can try. You can, can try to you, you can write your, your sci-fi <laughs> novel, but it probably won't happen. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I feel like most sci-fi novels we wouldn't want to happen. No. <laughs> no. Something no. bad always happens. <laughs> no. Where, where are the sci-fi novels where everything works out just swimmingly? Nobody where wants to read them. Yeah, what would the uh, there would well, there, there wouldn't really be a fun factor for a utopian sci-fi novel, would there? Because mm. it's not. I guess we crave the uh, excitement of of disaster and yeah. um, catastrophe, those, those action sequences. Like, where would the tension come? Everyone would just be doing yoga together. Would be. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a disaster to me. (laughs) 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 Yeah, barely touched. I mean, I guess that raises a good, good question, kind of to to, for you guys. Is is obviously your work has this strong narrative structure. It has an input from from tragedy and and everything around that. Do you think you could make work which wasn't based on that, which was based purely in joy and all the things which are not? <laughs> I have asked myself this question. Me too. Have we written any happy songs? <laughs> no. No, because that's, that's <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, oh yeah, there was that one, there was that one. And then I was like, oh no, there was that line. <laughs> it wasn't happy. Yeah, um, I just feel like that's besides the point for my personal um the personal reason why I make songs it's as, almost as a cleansing I suppose of, of things that mm. I don't want on my chest anymore and I can't communicate them in any other way to anyone else mm. they're just too tightly bound or too close to me or even like not clear in my own yeah, head you can't actually verbalize them yeah so then suddenly when they're out there in music form it seems easier and mm. so yeah, they're often not happy. Yeah, because happiness is much easier to express in, in a kind of normal form. Like, you know, dance, chat to a person you like, you know, laugh. Whereas if you're really, like, 
gnarled up inside on some dreadful existential issue <laughs> you're gonna have to put it into um some art mm, yeah that incredibly interesting that you, you not i mean just the general idea that you think happiness is easier to express do you, well, do you not agree i don't know i don't I, I i mean i'm very broken as it is but <laughs> i think i find it much easier to express things which upset me than things which make me happy because really? I keep things which make me happy very internal. Oh, that's oh. so interesting. And that's uh, that's why when I make artwork, it turns out all messy and dark because I, I find this, I know it's easy. This is my way of communicating these things. I found a way of communicating these things, but I never found a way to kind of communicate just being happy. Whereas I can communicate content quite happy, happily. That's an oxymoron in itself. <laughs> I communicate contentment, but joy is something which I've never been able to make work about. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I can't make art out of joy, I don't think. But I think, you know, it comes out in all the other ways. Yeah. But I think joy, strangely, is a sort of byproduct sometimes of, of expressing... Your sorrow. Of, of expressing yeah. your sorrow. <laughs> like, you write a really sad song and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> you're like yay because it's it's a release yeah it? yeah um, that's true actually i didn't really yeah you get that you when get... you perform it then like each time or is it does it become more routine well it depends on the song really i think you really find out like how mm. much you really meant what you were saying yeah when you're performing it like yeah the, the 50th time you're like why did i write this what does this mean is it all like hate it yeah totally. exactly um and then there are others where you each time you go back into the place you were when you first made it and it's a real experience mm. that carries on. And yeah, sometimes there's a sense of sort of joy if you it sounds horrible, but if you look out at the audience and you see people sort of visibly moved. Mm-hmm. That's really mm. Yeah, do you get happy when you finish an artwork? Um this is strange having questions asked to me and I'm, I'm not prepared for it but it's fine <laughs> no, I, 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 so I have a, a kind of a sense of our work's never finished mm. in my view even when I release it to the public um, it's, it's never really finished so it's, yeah. it's never a concept of if I'm happy that it's done I enjoy the catharsis of the creation yeah, yeah. And, and that's what that that's what gives me happiness at the time um but it's because i'm finding a way to communicate and that kind of thing and then when i put it out into the world it's less yeah i'm happy it's done and i'm proud of it it's more i'm going to throw it out there and see what happens yeah and then that's going to we'll deal with that like afterwards because i don't think i can hold on to it to that point mm-hmm. so it, it, it it's less it's less, less pride and more self-punishment <laughs> just like i made this thing we spent days and weeks on it. Let's 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 push it out and see what happens. Yeah. Because you've, you've, yeah. got, you've got to have that ego at some point of just like I made this, so someone needs to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. It's really hard that that decision, um, mm. making that choice. I think because yeah, it feels horrible putting your stuff out, and you feel like, why am I doing this? This is you know, no one is gonna want to see this. Do I even want to share this? Do I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this horrible, yeah, dark part of myself. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you actually have to kind of foster an ego as an artist. 
like if you want to put it out you have to be like come on ego grow (laughs) i think it's it's less fostering ego more um convincing myself to let my ego out oh really oh that's an injury yeah maybe that is it it's like i spend a lot of time suppressing an ego Mm, hence why i insult myself so often um but um, yeah more that that sense of just going to myself actually no it is there it is okay to allow an ego once in a while but yeah. because mm. of who I am and how I've grown up my brain's gone nah that's a bad thing to be, you know that's awkward yeah. Uh, but yeah no I, I think that's, that's interesting it's interesting that you get the the audience sensibility as well and, yeah. and being able to see an audience react to your work yeah. and experience that tragedy all over again it's sort of it's terrible but like I think if you write our sort of music Mm. uh your kind of number one compliment is if someone cries which is really mean but you know if ever we get a report of someone crying yeah it's satisfying uh but at the same time you you feel slightly bad Mm. for them but then you shouldn't because I guess they they were obviously moved and it helped them maybe in the same way that you when you wrote it you got that catharsis and then you got the joy like I love being moved to tears by a piece of music I love it yeah and I have these like specific pieces that I know will always move me to tears and I don't listen to them too much I only listen to them when I feel like I'm going to implode or explode or otherwise you know just deteriorate if I don't have some sort of proper processing things and I like I go lie down put headphones on and just weep you know yeah um it's really good for you I think Mm. it is it's a strange relationship I have to have with an audience in a way Mm. I I think that's something which I always have to remind myself and others from I feel like if you are being an artist or you want to be an artist if you don't have an audience you're not an artist because Mm. If you only keep it for yourself, there's no reaction to it. It's literally mm-hmm. just you <clears throat> processing yeah. whatever you're doing. You're expressing, but you're not committing to what art should be in a way. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, maybe, yeah. You've got to have that back and forth in one way or another. And it's you're essentially, like you say, with making someone essentially cry from mm-hmm. whatever you made, you're giving them that gift of being able to unlock something and go, you didn't feel this before and now you feel this so this is a this is a way for you to feel it and that becomes for them like yourself a song which they can pour and then yeah. you know mm-hmm. work through whatever they were working through yeah and that's nice i like that. I like a little thing but, yeah I, I, I don't i've not quite gotten used to an audience yet mm. but, um, yeah it's 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 a weird one mm. especially during you know covid it's been very weird because you haven't been able to see or be in the actual same physical space so that's been different have you done many performances through COVID then not really I mean we did a few last summer didn't we in that little window of freedom and we did one live stream but obviously that's a completely different yeah fish Mm. I'm looking forward to getting back to it in a way, even though I always get absolutely terrified, both get terrified, do <laughs> Yeah. Never get over that. I mean, a lot of the time I don't have that, t- I don't have the the time to be terrified during a performance because our setup is quite complicated. <laughs> Mel. Mel has really shot herself in the foot by deciding she wanted to be a sort of multi-instrumentalist. I didn't decide. <laughs> you did. You did decide. 
Well, it's just uh, Was I it guess an accident that... because someone accidentally wrote in a brochure and we were going to perform that we were multi instrumentalists, and we were like, but we're not. But we must now become multi instrumentalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah before I, I'd just seen it as us sort of dabbling in a few different instruments I hadn't seen it as this multi-instrumental seriousness yeah uh, <laughs> then we, we really had to sort of up our, our live game and it's now it can be a bit silly yeah we've got like a looper and lots of pedals and Mal, what, how many guitars do you have last time we did like four four guitars around with. and a violin violin pedals and you had piano, harmonium, and a bass drum. Oh yeah, that you were operating with your foot. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes I try a bit of penny whistle, which is usually disastrous. <laughs> but yeah, never mind. You can but try. I mean, it sounds multi-instrumentalist to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. Uh, yeah, that's interesting that you, you kind of. I mean, yeah, I guess the anxiety of performing and all that kind of thing never really goes away especially when it's something when which is quite personal to yeah. one out there um but i guess yeah you just have to throw yourself out yeah yeah it's it's strange because every every time you do a show you're sort of like why am i doing this why am i doing this i hate this i want to go home i never <laughs> want to see anyone i don't want to go why did i leave my why did i open the front door <laughs> i just want to go home um but then um, afterwards it's... afterwards you feel great yeah, yeah. It's that that horrible. Do you get that on stage then, or is it just the before? It's just getting. It's just walking from wherever you are backstage onto the stage, right. getting your instrument. <laughs> then you're okay. Right. I mean, unless on rare occurrences where like the something goes wrong, the performance is really shit. <laughs> <laughs> then for the whole time you'll be thinking. I need to <laughs> go. <laughs> I need to escape and disappear. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh yeah, I think I think from speaking to quite a few people who do poetry, and they, they say that there's like it's like a it's kind of like the quiet in the middle of a tornado, where you're just like yeah, walking into it's hell, but as soon as you're in the middle, you're fine. You know, yeah. you can get over it, and then coming out of it's hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine like you know someone who does spoken word performances or. Also, I think being a comedian must be oh. the most terrifying thing in the world. <laughs> well, there's a lot of pressure to make people to make people laugh. That's a, a responsibility, mm. I think. Yeah, because I mean, with music, once you're in a song, it's kind of fine. Like you're not really there anymore. It's just the song. It's just the story. Mm. But I guess if you're a comedian, or sometimes if you're a poet, you know, it's much more vulnerable. You don't have anything to hide behind. It's just you there doing your thing. I think that's terrifying. So you can just hide behind your instruments and and sounds. Yeah, maybe I'll have to um, get a massive double bass so I can actually physically properly disappear behind it. Is this why you're multi-instruments? Because you just needed more barriers between you and the audience? Maybe. Maybe that's the secret of it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Gradually building a castle of folk, like Opens. <laughs> Opens. <laughs> yeah. No, that's crazy. No, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Like performing is probably the most vulnerable thing you could ever do. Mm. It's not some. I mean, I, I've done one live performance in my life. Wow. 
and that was a live version of the podcast. Okay. Um, uh-huh. And essentially, because I because I do obviously ones with guests, and I do the solo ones where it's just me rambling for half an hour. Um, and that was what I did live. And I came out the other end of it, and I vividly remember saying to a friend, "I have no idea what I said." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoke for forty minutes, and I do not know what I said. Um, it was unscripted anyway, but at yeah. the same time, yeah, it's just like it's like a weird space you get into where you're like, I just, "That's not me now." Mm. yeah yeah which is i guess it kind of in a way i didn't know what to expect with yourselves because your work is so dramatic and it's so softly spoken and it's like there's every chance that you would be exactly as your music is (laughs) dramatic and softly spoken yes well are you are we not opposite (laughs) are you surprised (laughs) so uh, yeah are you surprised by our demeanors no this is i think this is the thing like i think is is as well it becomes this thing of when you meet artists and you remember their people mm-hmm. you know yeah. they're not what necessarily what they put on stage they're not necessarily the work they put out all the time you know yeah. um one could think from listening to your thing that you'd just be you know romantic costumes walking across malls um, and that would be <laughs> that would be nice i would enjoy that yeah no we yeah. have to do normal things <laughs> But yeah. it's, it's that process isn't it it's, it's that process of detaching yourself from your art as well as using it as a tool to just kind of work yeah. through whatever you're going through yeah. but it's been interesting overall to find out about it <laughs> now as i say you've got your ep coming up mm-hmm. yeah it's it's fully out and about fully. yeah yeah where can people get hold of your ep they can get hold of it on all of the normal places, Spotify, etc. Also on Bandcamp. Um, yeah. Mm. It's about some big themes and with some wonderful yeah. sounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's been lovely to talk to you today. You too. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, it's been really nice. Well, yeah, as I say, I, I, I only tend to reach out when i find something which just interests me you know mm-hmm. i don't i don't pander to an audience um i just find <laughs> something which you know would interest me when i heard you work i was like yeah no this is something something i really enjoyed and i thought more people should know about yeah. it'd be interesting to pick your brains on on why you made it in the first place mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully it hasn't been too intense or you know, <laughs> no it's a okay. question why you pick up instruments every day <laughs> No, it's been great. Really, really good. Yeah, really Mm. nice. In that case, uh, we shall encourage people to be cathartic and make music and and art and all those things, because it does tend to help. For sure, yeah. And it's it's cheaper than therapy. On occasion, yeah. On occasion. (laughs) Pens is expensive. That's true. Mm. I guess instruments are a one-off. They're a one-off. Once you've done that, you're okay. Unless you decide that you then need to get Logic and get other people to play on your music, and then you need to pay to distribute it, <laughs> then you need to pay to get to gigs, and then you're like, hmm, this is not good. <laughs> you're just it doing it at home. Not worth being an artist at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, on that <laughs> on that note, could or could not be cheaper than therapy. Um, Depending on how much therapy you need. On that note, yeah. We'll, we'll talk to these guys later. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.
Only there's a great blue boulder.